How's everyone doing this morning? Anybody else just feel like something great's gonna happen today? Anything, yo? Yeah, I feel it, yo. This today's a big day because there's church today. There's church today. Uh, yeah, it, you know, there's a, there's a, there's this other thing happening later. Um, you know, and anybody else sad today? It's the last football game for a while. And we've been doing this every week where I've been giving you my bad predictions, so why not stop now? Um, but I thought we'd start and see where you guys are at. Who in here thinks the Eagles are going to win today? If you're online, let me know. It, it, who in here thinks the Chiefs are going to win today? Not even. All right, here's the one. Who in here doesn't care? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might be the last football game, but one thing we have going for us in the city of Reno is the Wolfpack men's basketball team is killing it right now. See you in March, right? See you in March. But let's, get, let's dive into this today. Uh, we're continuing our series, Counterculture. The whole concept of this message is engaging with the Word of God and looking at it and how we should live. We're studying Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and focusing on the Beatitudes, attitudes we should be. And we've walked through this for a couple weeks now, and as we, as we get ready to dive into this, today's message is one where our tagline for this series I really think hits home. If we lean into this and we lean into Jesus and his words and we allow him to move in our life, Jesus changes everything. We're getting there. Jesus changes everything. And today's passage is Matthew 5, verse 8. So let's read it together. It says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. I think when I read this in Matthew 5, verse 8, I see two different meanings to this when it comes to the idea of how it's calling us to live. The first thing I see is it's calling us to live by a different moral compass. Blessed are the pure in heart. This, this moral compass is what it's speaking about, like that our heart is, is pursuing purity, pursuing holiness, it's called that we don't get to base how we live by the compass of culture and the compass of the world. Our compass is Jesus and our compass is the word of God and that's where we find our true north. That's how we're called to live with this pursuit of purity and holiness. And it also is speaking to a divided heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Pure perfection together. It's speaking to a divided heart. It's speaking to the fact that we can't serve God and live for him with 50% of our heart. And the other 50 belongs to something else. We can't worship Jesus and worship other things. It's speaking to this divided heart, this moral compass. That's what Matthew 5 is saying. But what does culture say in, in when it comes to purity? When it comes to having a pure heart? when it comes to our morals, when it comes to our holiness. Culture says, do what makes you feel good. Do what makes you feel good. You know, it also says, you know, we break the rules, right? Rules are in place to be broken, right? If you have kids, you know that that's embedded in us. That we, that we, we, we're, we're rule breakers, break the rules. Don't, don't follow the guidelines, break the rules. And this one's the kicker. Follow your feelings. 
follow your feelings. Not just do what makes you feel good, follow your feelings. If you feel like it's right, it's right. If you feel like it's good, it's good. We see this in culture so much today. And not just in culture. We see this in the church today. Where things that don't make us feel good must not be from God. Things that, that don't make me feel good inside, that must not be from God. You know, one thing I'm just kind of on a mission on, and that's why I love our church and our DNA, that one of our DNA statements is uh, being biblically founded, that we believe the word of God. Amen. Because the truth is, as we, like, as, as we continue to go over and over again, I see it happening more and more where we are sacrificing thousands of years for, of truth Thousands of years of scripture, thousands of years of life, and we sacrifice it for our feelings. We sacrifice it because sometimes it doesn't make us feel good. And we can't follow that. What does Jesus say about purity? Proverbs 4.23 says this, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Keep your heart. Other people would say guard your heart. Just not keep your, guard your heart. That there's a battle for your heart. There's a battle for the pursuit of purity. Not just that, there's a battle for the way you think. There's a battle going on around you that is trying to change the way you think. I found this very interesting. Do you know that a 30 second ad in the Super Bowl this year cost $7 million? That means people are willing to spend $7 million to change the way you think about their product. That's, I mean, it's not just in our head, it's not just this battle for the way we think. If we know that truth, we have to acknowledge that there's a battle in our hearts for our souls to change us, to, to, to not pursue purity, to not pursue holiness. There's a battle there. There's a battle, and we have to acknowledge this battle. That's why Jesus is speaking to this in Matthew 5, 8. If, if it wasn't a battle, he wouldn't have to speak on it. The, 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 we have to guard and keep safe our hearts. There's mindsets, there's mindsets that stop us from doing this. There's mindsets that stop us from having a heart of purity and a heart of holiness. And we're gonna work through some of those mindsets and then we're gonna talk about things we can do to work to that. The first mindset I wanna talk about, I wanna just start with a little visual into my life. Um, anybody else in here who's married um, have a different definition of clean when it comes to the house than your spouse? Yeah. I mean, it's just me? Oh, yeah, you know, uh, my wife, hey, can you help clean up the house? There's people coming over, sure right into the closet. Everything just swept in the closet. You know, and, and the truth is, when we think of cleanliness, when we think of cleaning, we, in our house, sometimes we have these things called junk drawers. Anybody have a junk drawer? Oh, yeah. you know? or, or we have that closet that we put stuff in, and we're like, you know what, they're coming over right now, I don't have time to clean, it's going in the closet, I promise I'll get to it. How about those garages? How about those garages? I'm getting a lot of husbands in trouble. You know, because they're gonna go home and be like, hey, Shane talked about this. You know, those garages where, you know, we're, we're in a rush to clean and we're just, we don't have time, so we're throwing it into the garage and one day we'll get to it. 
one day we'll get to that garage and it just ends up piling up and piling up and piling up. Am I alone in this? No? So the first mindset that stops us from pursuing a life of purity is a clean enough mindset where I just have to be clean enough. I, I, I just have to make this myself clean enough for the people around me to think I'm living a life of purity. We have areas in our life that are like those junk drawers and those closets that we spiritually just hide stuff in. And we say, one day, I'll get to that. That, 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 that sin that's embarrassing, that decision you made that was like horrible, you know, like instead of us doing the work and, and cleaning up that area of our life, we just wanna be clean enough. As long as people don't know about it, I'm pure. As long as people don't see it, I'm good. We say things like, I'll really do the deep cleaning later. I'll, I'll really get to that later. And it ends up never getting clean. This area, we get so used to hiding in our lives. We get so used to hiding the sin in our lives that it is stowed away for so long, we forget that it's even there. I, you know, let's go back to cleaning the garage. I just recently was cleaning out my garage. There was stuff in there that I didn't even know we owned. <laughs> you know, I went out and bought stuff that was the same thing that was in my garage because I didn't know it was there. We had like three vacuums in there. <laughs> it, it, it's like the same in, in, the, in our spirit, in our soul, in our heart where we just bury stuff and we go through the motions of Christianity and we just even forget to work on it. And then 10 years later, it pops back into our life and we wonder why we're struggling with our faith. It's because we, we hid for so long. We hid it. And our faith is built on just this perception of purity instead of real authentic pursuit of purity. We'd rather appear to be okay. We would rather appear to be okay than actually do the work to be okay. That's the truth. As long as I look good, as long as people think I have my life together, as long as people don't know about this, I'm fine. But it's killing us on the inside. Killing us. Matthew 23, 25 through 27 says this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but the inside, they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and then the outside also may be clean. Woe to you. Anytime it says woe, that's bad. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Another explanation mark. For you, like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanliness. We, just like the Pharisees of the time, and they would do this, they would, they would present themselves as these perfect followers of God, and they would wear the right clothes, and they would wear the right scrolls on their head, and, and, the band, and they would wear all this, but on the inside it was dirty and corrupt. Sometimes we do that as well. 
sometimes we come to church we come to church and we just know that our soul is just like, we, we're just not doing what we should do. We know we're caught up in sin, but we just come to church and we smile. People say, how's it going? And we're like, great, everything's perfect. When really our heart needs help. You know, sometimes if we're honest, we, we, we'll be driving to church. We'll drive to church, I bet this happened today. And the kids are in the back screaming and you look over at your spouse and you guys just start to fight. You're yelling at each other, you're yelling at the kids, you're angry, you're angry, but the moment you turn off Rob into 1220 Rob Drive, it's like, everybody smile! <laughs> Stop it! We're gonna worship Jesus today! We're gonna love each other! And we come into church and we're like, check our kids in the kids' ministry, we're like, oh, my kids are great. When we know, we had a struggle. I'm not saying like coming to church yelling at each other. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when you take that kind of perspective and you put it towards our faith, we do this all the time. Where we just want, we just, we just need people to think we're good. We just, I just need to be perceived as good. Which leads to the second mindset that stops us from actually pursuing purity and holiness. It's the mindset of praise and instant gratification. We love praise. We love people noticing us. But Matthew 6, verse 5 says this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. It goes on to read, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Don't be like the hypocrites. Who, when they, when they pray, they make sure that people see them. Because they've received their reward. They've received their praise. And when we do it with that mindset, it doesn't honor God. Which is the reward we should be looking for. We will cut corners in our spiritual life. We will cut corners, we will bend rules, we, we will do everything for the praise of man for the gratification of our friends and our family. Max Lucado says this, don't worry about having the right words. Worry more about having the right heart. Worry more about having the right heart. When we look at our life, is our faith driven more, is our faith driven more by how God sees us or how people see us? Like, honestly, are we, are we in a place where we're just like, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I, I don't care what anybody else says about me. God, your approval is what matters over everything else. God, I don't care if I'm made fun of for, for, for worshiping. I don't care if I'm looked differently on because I pray to you. I don't care. I, I just don't care what anybody around me thinks. God, your approval is what matters most to me. We've sacrificed this. And when that, we've only, sometimes we've even sacrificed it with how we attend church. Where we, we gotta go to church on Sunday so we can live how we want on Monday. It's the truth. We, I, I, we gotta go to church so we can, we can check that box so I can live how I want and be who, have people see me how I want them to see me every other day. 
If we want to live a life of purity and holiness, it comes from getting to the place that with God, the only person's approval that matters to me is yours. God, the only thing that matters is that you are honored with how I live my life. That, that you are glorified by how I live my life. I might lose friends, but you are honored. It might hurt and it might be hard to change the way I live, but you are glorified and that's all that matters. We can't just live a life where we're trying to please everyone around us. We have one person to please and that is God Almighty. That's how we're called to live. So how do we do this? How do, how do, how do we get out of these mindsets? Two things we're gonna talk about. How do, how do we live a life of purity and holiness? The first step is confession. Confession. It says this in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess in Greek is the word humo logos, which means humo, meaning same, and lego, meaning to speak. To speak the same. What confession is, is coming into alignment and agreement with your sin on how God sees it. Agreeing with God that this area in my life is wrong. This area in my life is bad for me. It's not just, confession is not just the verbal confessing, which we do this all the time. I bet you some people, it, don't raise your hand, you know this, but I've done this in my life, where like you mess up and you're like, oh God, forgive me. And then like a week later you do it again. And a week later you do it again. A week later you do it again. You're not in alignment with how you see it. When it's not just about saying words and asking for forgiveness, it's, it's about coming into alignment and confession, the original meaning of confession, and saying, God, I agree with you on how you see my sin. I agree with you on how you see how I should live. I have a challenge for you this week. Easy challenge for you to do to practice this. I want you to go at some point this week, get a paper, Pin, pencil, I want you to sit down. I want you to ask God a simple question. God, reveal to me the areas in my life that I'm not aligned with you. Not, not God, reveal to me the things that don't make me feel good. God, reveal to me the things that are hard. No, reveal to me, God, the areas in my life that are not aligned with your word that are not aligned with your will. Begin to write them down. Begin to write them down. Write them down. And then I challenge you with this. When you write them down, pray over them every day. Pray over them. Give them to God every day. We're called to confess. Confession's scary, but it's also very freeing. I, I have this routine in the morning that I do when I drive, and I was doing it this morning with the beautiful sunrise this morning. It's just this beautiful pink and orange that was coming over the mountain, it was hitting the snowy mountains. 
I began just to think of the greatness of our God and his beauty. And then I just began to say this, God, that, 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 that area of my life, I don't think that's aligned with you, forgive me. I, I practice this regularly. It helps me stay on that moral compass that we were talking about, that straight path to actually get in alignment with him. The second thing we should do is we should be set apart. Set apart as a believer, which the, the def, is the definition of holiness. Being set apart. As a Christian, as a Christ follower, when we want to pursue Christ and pursue purity and pursue holiness, it comes when we start to set apart our life. To live differently. It says this in John 17, 16, 19, when it talks about how we as believers are called to live. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. In truth. We are called to be set apart, to pursue holiness, to pursue purity. Here's the crazy thing. Obtaining 100% holiness, 100% purity is impossible. But the pursuit of it is 100% possible. The pursuit of a lifestyle that looks at culture, that looks at the world's standards, and says, you know what? I am not called to live like that. I am called to live by the truth of Jesus and the words of God. That's what I'm called to live by. I won't, I won't give in. I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't just give in easy to things because culture says it's okay. I'm gonna hold true to the word of God. I'm called to be holy. I'm called to be set apart. God has placed me in this world in this culture, but I'm not to be of it. I'm not to be shaped by it. I'm called to be in it, to bring the light of the gospel of Jesus into it, but I am not called to be shaped by it. We have to wake up every day, fall on our hands and face and say, God, give me the strength to lean into your truth today. Give me the strength to live in this crazy world, but believe your truth over the lies. Give me the strength to pursue you and to pursue holiness today. You're not just gonna trip into purity. You're not just gonna accidentally fall into a holy life. You gotta fight for it. You gotta wake up every day and look at standards of culture in the world and say that is not how I'm called to live. Amen? Amen. Yes. Now, I wanna say something here. When it comes to our culture, this culture I'm talking about, that we are called not to live in, not to live by, I see things that are happening in the culture today performances and comments 
that are not of God, that go, they don't look anything like God. But so many times I see people post on social media and talk about, and they'll post a clip of someone doing something unholy or, or away from God, and they're like, can you believe this? Can you believe how bad culture is, how far they've turned from God? Yes. Why are we surprised? Why are we surprised by these things? I've read the book. It's only gonna get worse. It's only gonna get worse. Why are we surprised that culture is not honoring God? Why are we surprised that there's people in the world who don't believe? Why are we caught off guard by this? Here's the real kicker. Why are we angry about it? Why are we angry? Why do we look at those things and we're like, oh, this makes me so mad. I hate that. I, I'm mad at this. Why? Why? Jesus has already won, guys. Jesus has already won. He's already written down the plan of how this world's gonna end and how he's gonna come back and how things are gonna change. He's gonna take back. He's already written all that out. We don't have to be surprised and angry and look at people as enemies because they're not serving God or they're living an unholy life. We don't need to look at them as enemies. We need to see them as victims who have fallen to a broken, sinful world and we need to do everything we can. Sorry, I'm just going here. We need to do everything we can to stand in the dark world and say, here's the light of Jesus. Here's the light of Jesus. I don't, I, I don't hate you. I'm not angry at you because you are a victim of the fall of humanity. I'm going to stand in this dark world and pursue holiness and say, I am a follower of Jesus bringing my light into culture. That's what it's about. Wow. I wasn't planning on doing that. Wow. Why? Why are we surprised? We don't need to be scared of it. We don't need to see the world falling further and further away from God and say, oh no, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? How am I gonna do this? We have truth to hold on to. We have truth to hold on to. And we know Jesus won. So we can stand in this culture and not get angry and throw stones, but begin to build bridges of love, grace. As we hold on to truth and pursue holiness, people will join us. As I looked at culture this week, it was interesting. I'll close with this. As I looked at culture this week, there was two polar ideas that I saw. There was this Grammy's performance, and everybody's, yeah, it's broken. It, 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 it's, it's not of God. But I wasn't surprised, and we began to focus on that. We, but there was something else that happened this week. I saw this thing that happened at this college where for three straight days, people of God got together and never stopped praising. For 72 hours, they're still there today, and they're singing the praises of God. So yes, culture might look unholy, but Jesus is still moving. Jesus is still bringing people to him. So let's not get angry, guys. Let's just get more encouraged to do the good work of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we love you and we praise you. I pray that you would just speak to us today, that you reveal to us the areas of our life 
that need to change. Give us the strength to be in this world, but not of it. In your holy name, amen.